Well, good morning, and um, thank you very much for the invitation to come and speak. Um, I first came to this church in 1997, uh, which was when I first arrived as a student in Southampton. Um, we settled at Above Bar, we've been there ever since, but I've always enjoyed a close connection with Portswood. And only last week I was here running the Refuel Conference, we had a really good time. Thank you so much for the use of the building. And we've enjoyed having a number of you with us at Formation School. I've been involved in Formation School for the last six years, and I now lead Formation School. And um, I know some of you have been through the course. I'd love to speak to you if, if you're interested in joining us next year. Um, but um, that's a little bit about me. I've got my wife, Debbie's here. I've got, we've got five kids. Um, Naomi, our number two comes to lava fairly regularly here at the church, so she, she hopefully is fairly well known to you. Now, I've understood from Jez, I've understood from Jez that your theme is Come Home, and this, uh, this Christmas series that you're going through begins today. Is that right? Yeah. Um, and it's actually a theme I've been thinking about quite a lot recently, the idea about home. Dictionaries will tell us that home is about where we live, but we know that our concept of home goes much deeper than that. Someone has said that home is, isn't easy to define, but you know when you're there. It's not easy to define, but you know when you're there. As with all good questions, I decided to ask Google what is home, and I found, I found this. This is from a home improvement website. Um, so four things. Home is where we find comfort and safety. It's a place where we retreat to when things are hard. A place where we know we can depend on others. Home is a place where we're always welcome. A place where we can be free to be ourselves. Home is where we put down our roots. It doesn't need to be a static location um, it does shift around. It could be where we grew up or, or a place where we still feel settled or a place where we feel welcome. Or lastly, home is where our dreams become reality. I think this is a bit more fictitious on the idea of the Home Improvement website. A place to dream about the future, maybe some of their home improvement products in your house in different, different areas may be less convincing. But this is a, at least a picture of what home might be. Last week I travelled home to St Albans. I'm a two-city, two-church person, so I spent the first 18 years of my life in St Albans. And I stayed there with my eldest brother. Um, but the idea was not to stay in St Albans. No, we were travelling up to Glasgow. I was going to my mother's 80th 80th birthday celebration in Glasgow. Seven years ago, they sold the family home, uh, which is there on the screen, and, um, and they moved up to be near another of my brothers in Glasgow. And it was a really special time for us, um, special time with my parents, and uncommonly with all of my three brothers, so we were all together. And so was this, there was this special sense of being home, associated with being together. But at the same time, uh, maybe we've got some pictures. Oh, that's, that's what they did to the, the family home when we sold it. 
It's a bit of a difference. Um, there's the home in Glasgow. This, this doesn't feel like home to me. I've never lived there. I didn't grow up there. Um, and it's not at all like the home we have here in Southampton, where we've lived for, I think it's 16 years now. At Formation School this year, we've got a pretty diverse group of students. We're an international community, and this year I've been getting to know a number of folk who are far from home. For a variety of reasons, they've left their homes, their countries, even their families to seek asylum here. One of those friends is Mohsen, who's come uh, to join us this morning. And Mohsen's got an incredible story. You might like to ask him afterwards, but he's walked here from Iran. So (laughs) just think about that a moment. We might say that some of these folk are living in exile The dictionary defines exile as the state or a period of forced or voluntary absence from one's country or home. Just imagine what it would be like to live in a place that is far from your home, far from your country, far from your family. But what's interesting is that from start to finish, the Bible is a story of exile. I wonder what examples you can think of in the Bible about how God's people find themselves living far from home, living in exile. There's going to be a lot of words on the screen in a moment, but, and maybe not even going to be able to read that. But the Bible is full of these examples. And it's quite extraordinary to think about all these people, and this is just a few, who, throughout history of the Bible, who God took far from home. Some of them are forced to flee because of their circumstances. Some of them are forcibly taken into captivity by their enemies. But exile was and still is a huge learning experience. Right at the heart of God's big story is the idea of living in God's place. Right back in Genesis 12, God promised Abraham that his descendants would be his people living in his place and experiencing his blessing. For most of Israel's history, this was primarily about the land God promised to them as their home. But living in that place was always conditional upon their continued obedience to him. Sadly, they failed to keep the covenants and they failed to remain faithful to God. And so God, in response, took them into exile. He removed them from the land. Now, as you know, and as you can see from the candles on the stage here, we're we're at the beginning of Advent. The decorations are going up. The trees are up. The tree came to the McClure household yesterday. And the Advent calendars are starting to be lit Uh, Advent candles and calendars going up, etc. And so some of you are wondering what exiles on earth got to do with this theme. Well, here's my answer in a nutshell. My answer in a nutshell. Jesus is the ultimate exile. Let's just unpack that for a moment. Why is Jesus the ultimate exile? Let me give you four examples, and we'll spend most of our time on the last. Very quickly in the first three. 
Firstly, we have this, uh, this uh, scene in Matthew 2. It's part of our Christmas story where, uh, where the, an angel tells Mary and Joseph to take the baby Jesus into, into exile, to Egypt, to escape the clutches of King Herod who was trying to kill him. He couldn't have been any more than two years old at this point because in the next verse, Herod had given orders to all the boys in Beth- that all the boys in Bethlehem were to be killed. Estimates of how long Jesus spent in Egypt vary from a few weeks to a few years, but it's easy to overlook that this was probably a significant early experience for Jesus. Or we jump forward slightly to Luke 4. Just before Jesus starts his ministry, the Holy Spirit leads him into the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted by the devil. Or later, Jesus himself, he encounters a man who tells him he's going to follow him everywhere, wherever he went. And Jesus responds saying, foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. And the idea is that Jesus is constantly on the move and was therefore without a fixed place he could call home. Quite the challenge for a man who who declared so confidently that he would follow Jesus wherever he went. But of course, the, the biggest example of Jesus as the ultimate exile is in our in our reading today, in John chapter 1. And it would be really helpful if you had that open. Because we need to take a few steps back and think about how John begins his gospel here. And what we're talking here is what we might call the incarnation. Incarnation is not exactly an everyday word. But what it means is that God became one of us. He was incarnated in human flesh. As we've heard twice already uh, this morning, John starts his gospel saying, in the beginning was the word. Echoing, of course, Genesis 1 verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. John says the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. John is saying here that when the beginning began, the word was already there. Who is this word? Well, I think John is clear. The word was God and the word was with God. Look down to verse 14. We read that the word has become flesh. The word, of course, is Jesus. The word is Jesus. John says, we've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. In God the Son, we see something of God the Father. Verse 18 takes it even further. No one has ever seen God, but God the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in the closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Jesus is the one who makes the Father known to us. 
How has Jesus made the Father known to us? Well, back to verse 14 again. John says he's made his dwelling among us. Or in the message, it says the word became flesh and blood and moved into our neighborhood. I really like that. He moved into our neighborhood. And of course, this is the message of Advent, that the Son of God stepped into our world and he became flesh and lived among us. Let's take a moment to think on that. Jesus stepped into our world. He became flesh and he lived among us. Let me tell you a slightly humorous story just to lighten the mood a bit. Imagine you've got a bunch of goldfish. I don't know what kind of animals you've got in our house, uh, in your house, but our house at the moment is full of cats. Someone at Portswood Church has got something to do with that. But anyway, imagine you've got a, a bunch of goldfish and they've been fighting repeatedly. Do you have these problems here at Portswood? Um, what can you do about it? Well, you could instruct them very strongly not to do it. Or perhaps you could set them an example. Now, you could model for them what it means to be a good goldfish. But it doesn't take too much to realize that neither of those methods are going to be particularly effective. The goldfish are far too caught up in their own lives to be bothered about what we're trying to tell them or demonstrate to them. But if, however, you were able to enter their bowl and become just like them, you could communicate in a much more meaningful way. And of course, that's what happened when Jesus entered our world. When John uses the word world here, he's talking about our planet and by implication about all of creation. Have a look at verses 9 to 11. He says, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and through the world And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. It's quite staggering to think that the creator of the universe stepped into our world. He became one of us, but we didn't recognize him. We didn't receive him. John chapter 15 says the world hated him. Back to Genesis. When Adam and Eve were banished from the Garden of Eden, they were cast, as all of us are, into spiritual exile, out of relationship with God the Father. And God knew the only way to bring us back was to send Jesus, his son, to live with us, to live amongst us on earth. And so Jesus left his glorious home in heaven and his place at the Father's side. And he entered our planet as a lowly servant. Here was an exile. He died a cruel death on a Roman cross. And on that cross, Jesus took our exile for us. He took our rejection of God. We would have remained exiled from him. But when Jesus hung on the cross, the Father turned his face away from Jesus. Jesus bore in himself everything that separates us from God. Jesus made a home with us so that we could know and experience what it means to be truly home. Jesus went into exile to live amongst us to show us the true way home. 
You might like just to worship Jesus in your heart right now. Perhaps you've never thought about this, or maybe you've never thought about it in this way. But because of Jesus, we can have a restored relationship with God the Father. But there's another sense in which we remain exiles. Oh, I missed missed a slide there. You've missed the goldfish. There's another sense in which we remain exiles. Have a look at verses 12 and 13. Let's read those. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of a natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. John says that for whoever receives Jesus, there is this right to become children of God. There is new birth into a new and restored relationship with God. But there's a tension, isn't there? A tension of the not yet. On the one hand, if we believe in Jesus and we have this restored relationship and we're reconciled to him, but on the other hand, things are not yet as they should be, either for us or for the whole of the creation around us. For all who follow Jesus, this means we cannot feel entirely at home with the world as it is because we long for the kingdom of God to be revealed. The Apostle Paul says our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. And he's saying that this is not our true home. We too live as exiles. In the Bible, Judah's exile to Babylon takes really center stage in God's big story. And it's really interesting that the New Testament writers pick up that language to describe the early believers in the early church. Um, If you know me at all, you'll know I've been doing a lot of thinking about exile recently. I've been reading a number of contemporary books, which I'm not going to bore you with. Um, But each of those books makes the case that the experience faced by the Jewish exiles mirrors something of our church experience today. Walter Brueggemann speaks about the usefulness of the metaphor of exile to describe our situation. He spends a lot of time focusing on the marginalization of faith for those living in an increasingly post-Christian context. Let me give you one quote, which, yeah, I think you can read that. Some of you will anyway. Let me read it to you. Paul Williams, in his book, Exiles on Mission. He says, we live in a generation in which our elders, at least, can remember a time when Christianity was still a major force in our Western societies. Thus, we feel its declining influence more acutely. Our faith is increasingly marginalized and subjected to ridicule, mockery, and disdain. Our society is dominated by cultural stories and beliefs that seem impervious to Christian faith, even a threat of it. Our science and technology, our economic growth and political processes all seem to exist and develop without need for God. Jesus seems an embarrassment to many of us in the corporate world. The school, the hospital, the cafe. Most of our neighbors seem ignorant of the gospel and uninterested in finding out more. And if that's even even partly true, exile then is a really helpful and relevant metaphor for our time. 
But what Walter Brueggemann points out, most interestingly, is that exile was, it never led those exiles, Jewish exiles, into abandoning their faith. It never led them into despair. It never led them into retreating into private religion. And neither should it do so for us either. And so I want to share three challenges for us by way of conclusion. Firstly, just look at these verses in Peter. Peter sees um, exile as an opportunity to be a witness to those around us. Have a look at those verses. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles, that's the language, to abstain from sinful desires which wage against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. And so what we're saying is that we're all experiencing exile. We're all exiles, living in a place that's not our true home, living in a place that's far from Jesus, far from the gospel. But there is a choice about how we respond to this. Firstly, we could respond like an alien. And no, you don't have to look like one of these, but um, that was the best picture that they had. So (laughs) there we are. Aliens uh, are those who resent the differences of those around us. There's this feeling uh, of being trapped in a strange land, maybe an inability to be themselves. They're aliens in a foreign place. Or maybe we respond like a visitor. There's a, a sense of living in denial. There's this feeling that exile is just temporary, but it's used as an excuse for disengagement, an excuse to avoid our calling. But there's one final option, and that's as an ambassador. An ambassador. Good Bible word, ambassador. We'll get to that in a moment. Ambassadors are yearning for home, but they're not resentful. They're not trapped. They're not disengaged. No, they know their job, and they seek to understand the culture around them. But at the same time, they're secure in their own culture. Paul describes us um, famously as ambassadors for Christ. If we're following Jesus, then we have a taste of our true home here. But this Christmas, we also have this this opportunity to invite others to come to Jesus, to find their true home. Let's do what we can to enter their world like Jesus did, like we were talking about with the goldfish, and point them to the light of the world. Exiles witness, but also exiles wait. As we live as exiles, there's this sense in which we wait in expectation. You probably remember we we looked at that. Um, that's in the wrong place, is it? No, there it is. It's already on the screen. We looked at that verse um, in Philippians three twenty. Our citizenship is in heaven, but straight away the words afterwards say we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're eagerly awaiting for Jesus to come back. And for our true home to be revealed. And of course, Advent is a a season of waiting. We're waiting in expectation 
for what is coming. It's only 22 days to Christmas. There's a few worried faces out there. (laughs) 22 days to Christmas when we're going to celebrate the birth of our Savior who came into the world 2,000 years ago. Exiles witness, exiles wait. Thirdly, I've already given this away, exiles hope. Living in exile can be pretty tough at times. Often it can feel quite dark. Maybe that's where you are right now. Maybe you're struggling with disappointment. Maybe you're feeling some sadness or loss. Um, Maybe you're just going through some really difficult days. But John tells us here in our passage, he tells us of hope. He says, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. You see, whatever life throws at us, we know that Jesus has already come, and that gives us hope. And we know that the darkness will not overcome the light. Jesus is the true light. And so these days of waiting should be filled with hope as we eagerly await for all that lies ahead. Exiles witness, exiles wait, exiles hope. But perhaps you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus for yourself. Perhaps you don't have confidence that one day you'll be with Jesus in this forever home. If that's you, can I say it's really good uh, that you're here this morning. And I'd really encourage you to spend some time reflecting on the person of Jesus. Reflecting on why he came into our world to live amongst us. And ultimately to die in our place. Do come and talk to me or the person who came with you or someone else you've seen at the front if that's you. God invites you today to come home, to find your place. Well, thank you, and let me wish you a very happy Christmas, and let's just pray, shall we? Dear Father, thank you so much for sending your dear son, your precious son, into our world to be one of us, to live amongst us, and ultimately to die for us. Lord Jesus, thank you for being willing to make that sacrifice for us. And thank you that because you left your true home to come into ours, that one day we too can know what is our true home, a home that's with you forever, a home without all the problems and difficulties of this world. Lord, would you use us this Christmas as we wait, as we hope, and as we seek to witness to those around us. Lord Jesus, thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.